Welcome to I Love That Record, a podcast featuring my friend John Beckman and myself, Eric Jorgensen. Each episode, one of us picks an album that we love and we talk about it. John and I decided to do this podcast because we both love the album as an artistic medium. There's something wonderful about a collection of songs released together that tell a cohesive story. And also incredibly interesting, I think, to both of us is the fact that, like any work of art, everyone relates to an album in a different way or a set of ways. So thank you for being with me tonight, John. How are you? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you? I am awesome and super excited to do this podcast uh, with you. Likewise. (laughs) Thank you. First episode, first pick, it's on you, John. What album have you chosen for us to talk about tonight? I have chosen the Everglow, which is an album by the band May. Good pick. That is Thanks, a great man. pick. Do you remember when you first heard the record? I first heard this record. Um, Oh man, it was probably sophomore, junior, I think sophomore year of college. Sophomore, junior year college, yeah. I think I probably heard it around the same time. I think we may have heard it very similarly in times. And for people who don't know, John and I are, are college buddies, so we've known each other for a long time now because we're old. And uh, I have a feeling that many of these albums that we're going to pick are going to come from that era. Because there's just something about being in college and all the, the feelings and emotions and stuff, I think, that you go through that, that make it uh, easy to relate. Um, do you remember who suggested May to you or how you heard about May, the band? Um, I actually don't. I think it you know, it probably was either you or I don't know if it would have been Chris. For listeners that don't know, our other buddy Chris, who was also in the same friend group in college. Would you try um, to get him on the podcast sometime? Maybe he could be a special guest. He could phone in from Nashville or Maine yeah. or <laughs> North Dakota, wherever he is at the <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah, because you know, I don't think it was it was myself that got into May first. Um, you know, music's one of those great things. I think you get a lot of recommendations from other people. So I think um, honestly, this was the first album that i heard by them because it wasn't it wasn't their first album though right no no i had heard i think oh destination beautiful i think was the the previous record and that was um yeah that's some good stuff on it uh but the everglow was an entirely different thing it's really a concept record um and it was released in 2005 so yeah we would have been right in the middle of college when it came out and yep. I can't really say that I understand the concept necessarily behind the album, but it is a concept album. I don't know. Maybe you can fill in the story as, as you understand it. Well, yeah. And I guess my, my whole take on it. So it, um, it starts with a prologue and ends with an epilogue. Um, it's this whole kind of audiobook concept. Uh, so right, yeah. Yeah. You get the first, the first and last track are just basically, uh, um, just audio track, like a spoken track. Hello, and welcome to the Everglow by May. So it's just an intro to the book. And I think, you know, I never actually had the physical album, I don't think. Um, downloaded it legally, of course. Um, <laughs> and listened, listened digitally. But uh, I think it actually came with, you know, it came with an actual book that you could follow along with. Yes, it totally did. Um, so I never actually, you know, it's funny that I picked this record and I've, I've never actually gone through that like the actual physical book component of it. Um, but yeah, it follows this whole sort of audiobook thing where um, it's got the transitions from song to song, um, just like you would with some kids, 
book where there's like a like a ding to to turn to the next page. Um, in the intro track, they have all the song transitions play um, one after the other. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear this sound. leads into the actual second song or the first song song of the of the record which is a fantastic song it's called we're so far away and we'll get to our favorites later but uh, i think for anybody that's going to be a contender it's a beautiful piano track that's a very stunning uh, opener to the album yes so, so yeah, yeah it is definitely presented as a cohesive whole which not all albums are but i think some of my favorites uh, are and this is definitely one of those so what is it that you love about the everglow and you know why did you pick it especially for a first pick um i think you know liking the whole album concept i like being able to to just throw on a record and being able to listen to it front to back me too not necessarily having to skip any any um any bad songs you know, going with with this album, with the whole concept that it is just supposed to be one really cohesive, um, one song leads into the next. It's really easy to listen to, really easy to throw on in the background, um, and just kind of let yourself kind of melt into it or you know, kind of drift away or whatever with the with all the music's get lost in it. So, um, yeah, the first actual real track is um, "We're So Far Away," I believe, is the that's name the one. of the track and it leads in with a nice huge um piano hit so it was right after that like that one note i was like all right i'm in because as you will find out with my picks, um, as we go on in this podcast, I'm a big fan of piano, piano rock, all that sort of thing, um, which I really fell in love with through something corporate and those similar bands. And that's but a band anything, featuring Andrew McMahon, right? Who later yes. went on to uh, to do Jack's Mannequin. Hmm. Let's keep so that in I the hear. back of our minds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear they did good things. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's a slower slower song which i like um and having that piano element i think that that really just drew me in right away well i think that that is a great entry point to the album and it's it's an absolutely stunning first song the first real song because there's obviously the prolong and i completely agree with everything you said it it will grab you uh by the heartstrings and pull them and tug them and uh, (laughs) it's got it's just it's this bombastic but yet quiet uh, incredible, incredible song. Great melody, beautiful piano. Not something you would hear a lot in um, the pop punk genre. And I think that that's something that's really interesting no. about May is they somebody in the band, I don't even know who it is because I've never seen them live. Somebody is a very gifted piano player, especially for the genre. And I think that this album makes makes really good use of that. And that, that first song, like you said, it sucks you in. I think that's a great reason to, to love an album. <laughs> yeah, having that having that first you know, having uh, a love for that first song, I think, obviously, really grabs you and um, only makes you more excited to listen to the to the following songs. Well, I think I've actually said at one point that this album has, I think, one of my favorite first three songs of any album I've ever heard. Yeah, and that's "We're So Far Away." It's so close. 
Someone else's arms. I just wanna wake up. I just wanna wake up. And suspension. Both of which are more uh, rocking than We're So Far Away. And there's just something about these songs together that just tell you that we're May. Uh, this is our awesome, cohesive, really cool, kick-ass <laughs> um, uh, concept album, and we are going to pull you in with that piano, that bombast, kind of pull it back a little bit, and then we're going to hit you hard again with two really great rock songs, and that's what Someone Else's Arms and Suspension both are. Um, actually, the whole middle of the album is kind of full of songs like that, and I think maybe now is the time I'd, I'd like to mention something that I really like about it, and that's the production I think is fantastic. It's, it's yeah. very clear. Um, there's great... Uh, instrumentation throughout the entire band. There's the piano that we talked about earlier. There's great guitar work, nice little riffs throughout. Um, a lot of this, the more rock heavy songs are very percussive and really push the album forward. It's just, it's great. I think uh, the way that they approach the recording of the album, it's just very clean and crisp. And I really like that. And I, I, uh, I was reading about this album before and I think the producer of this album produced at least some of uh, Huba Stinks. Uh, records or hits. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. I'll also double check on that. So if that's not the case, I apologize to that person. To our thousands if, and thousands of listeners. Because that producer is, of course, going to listen to our, our podcast. Oh, but, yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> no, I think that um, I think that was the case, and I guess that makes, that makes sense, or I think that's a good, um, maybe good reason why this album... Um, yeah, it was so well produced because Hoopastake obviously had, you know, love them or hate them, they did have a couple, at least a couple big hits. It looks like it was Ken Andrews who produced Ken it. Ken Andrews, okay. Work as a producer. Let's see if you're right. Hoopastank. Oh, John, I am sorry to say he did not Dang work it. with Hoopastank. However, he did work with Jimmy Eat World on their newest record, Integrity Blues, which I really like. Ooh, um, that's a good album. I, I like that one a lot. I tried to get our friend David Bartels to listen. He didn't enjoy it. So if you had to pick, John, uh, yes. I know it's hard on an album where you've got lots of awesome songs, lots of awesome <laughs> tunes. What are your favorite songs on the album? Uh, should we go three or five? Uh, let's Ooh, could you pick five on this one? It sounds like you could. Um, sure, I probably I think, could. I think I could pick five. So yeah, pick five. What are your, what are your top five tracks on the album? I would go... Uh, oh, do I have to do them in order? That's no. where it gets, I think, hard. No, okay. that's, that's too hard. I wouldn't make you do I that. I would say Sun and the Moon. All right, I'm going to preface, preface this list with um, those that know me, or those that know my musical taste well, <laughs> I should say, know that I'm a sucker for the token slow song on albums. So if you're familiar with the pop punk genre, I felt like every single album in that whole genre would have at least one or two acoustic or slower songs. And almost always those are my favorite songs on the records for whatever reason. I don't know. They just grab it, me. It's so, because you're a sap and that's one of the things I love about I'm you, a, John. Yeah. I guess I'm a sap. I was a, yeah, I was an, I was an emo kid. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't really say that, but. 
Well, okay, maybe that's actually a good quick diversion before I make you give me your favorite picks. Is okay. I didn't really get to get into the fact that one of the reasons that I love this album, it's embarrassing to admit now, but <laughs> it is definitely tied in with dating and girls and all the feelings and stuff I was having in college around those topics. For yeah. whatever reason, I felt like all that stuff came out in the Everglow, and it's it's probably part of what I mentioned in the intro, where everybody kind of brings their own spin to a piece of art, and albums are no different. But for me, for sure, like I just when I listen to these songs, I still think back to that time of excitement and oh, I'm going to ask this girl out. She doesn't like me. I'm really sad. And I think the Everglow was kind of a nice backdrop to all that stuff that was going on in my life at the time. And that's why I, I probably would have picked this one eventually if you hadn't. So. No, that, yeah, that's a really good point because um, I think that I think those are the themes that really stick out, and I, I'm assuming those are the themes that they were going for. If you listen to the whole album front to back, you kind of get a um, like we're so far away, someone else's arms. So it's like he's longing for this person, and then you kind of follow their relationship, like they get together, but it's not it's not the greatest. And then they go into, um, if you look at track nine, mistakes we knew we were making. So yes. there's some sort of loss of life. You don't know if that's, um, you know, you don't know what that is. If that's an abortion or, you know, whatever. Um, but there's some sort of, uh, I forget the exact lyric, but it's like um, seeing the world through, um, looking at the world through your eyes. So it's kind of, this potential child, you know, maybe that he's seeing the world differently, but then ends up losing it. So whatever it is. So then you kind of get this sort of ebb and flow of these relationships. Um, and then as you get towards the end of the album, it's really, it's not that heartbreak or, um, sadness, but it's the excitement of a new relationship. So I think that's, you know, especially towards the end of the album, is where you know you're you're dating in college and you're going after girls or whatever. I think it's really easy to relate to and really easy to, um, yeah, put your own relationships into the into the songs. Well, I think that maybe you're onto something here, and that uh, all great albums are universally relatable in different ways. Um, yeah, because obviously they're written. The songs are written about certain things, of course. Like the songwriter has their own experiences, but I think the best songs tend to be written in such a way that it doesn't. You don't have to have had that exact experience, like you said. Mistakes we knew we were making seems to be uh, a song about an abortion, maybe, um, but it doesn't even have to be. Like it could just be about having sex, and maybe you're not so sure you should be having sex. It could be yeah. yep. um, d- driving too fast. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's uh, maybe not. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but. <laughs> I think that uh, that it is universal enough that that people, even who haven't experienced whatever it is that the the songwriter of the band had experienced, could still relate to it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I have one more digression before you get yeah. to give me your picks. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now as a reference, and I just have to throw this out there because I'm sure it's going to be a recurring theme. I hate special editions of albums. Yes. I'm looking at this track listing and it has 18 <laughs> tracks on it. I'm sorry, the Everglow does not have 18 tracks on it. This is garbage. It frustrates me. I don't like it. I know it's stupid, but I don't like it because Where the Falls Begin is not on the album. I don't care. Special edition, whatever. Number 16 doesn't exist. The album when ends have, on track 15. 
Yeah, when you have a song titled Epilogue <laughs> and it's not the last track on the album, I think there's a problem. So I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. But I'm so glad they included a demo version of Suspension for track number eight. I mean, come on, like <laughs> let's let's respect the art, people. Special editions are terrible. And what's also terrible is when Spotify only has that version of the album and you have yeah. to just remember to stop listening when the crap starts. Anyway, that's my digression. Yeah. Uh continue so your songs oh sorry it's a lot of the bands I'll, i will continue on this for one point sure. i think a lot of the bands from this era that we're talking about have been coming out with 10th anniversary editions or special editions so then they can start touring again because we're old which is fun because we you know we've actually gone to a couple of those shows and it's fun that they're on tour again but yeah it's tough when you are trying to find a track list or you're searching for it on on spotify or whatever music service you you use and that's the only version because it's just yeah you get these random weird tracks added to terrible it's terrible so it's, yeah yeah definitely <laughs> so your favorite songs in the album john go mm, i would say in no particular order the sun and the moon Wasted time. beautiful song seven minutes long but it's got this beautiful slow melody oh, awesome to have on the background uh, Sun and the Moon will go the ocean we'll go ready and waiting to fall which that's an awesome one that's really about um, you know new love and uh, it's never been more perfect being alive I've never been so satisfied it's never been more perfect Yada, yada, yada. It's one of the lyrics from it. So I love that one. That's three. We'll go We're So Far Away, which I already talked about. And we will go with the title track, The Everglow. Ah, good pick. Fifth. How about you, sir? Well, let me tell you. You don't have to do five. You can do three if you want. Uh, okay. Let's see here. I've got We're So Far Away, by far my favorite song in the album. The first uh, song, as we've discussed at length. Fantastic. Yep. Suspension, which I don't think was on your list, right? It was not, but awesome song. It's a great rocking song. Um, I love the propulsive percussion and, um, I, you know, I really want to know the name for when you are playing as a drummer, I try to describe this probably badly when you are playing, uh, both hands on the hi-hat, like, and then you go to the snare. Um, it's, I can only describe it as propulsive. <laughs> the uh, the okay. song, the first single by the format has that in the chorus too. You can just tell we're basically doing um, a roll on the hi-hat before you hit the snare. And I'm pretty sure that suspension features that. It's just got that kind of driving beat to it, which I love. When you whisper you want this, I'm caught in suspension, I'm sad, and 
it's it's a great song. Um, Someone else's arms, uh, which is part of that trio of songs that open the album, along with "We're So Far Away" and "Suspension," mm-hmm. just yep. uh, a great song that kind of kicks off right after we're so far away it's it's the first real rocking song in the album it's got some awesome percussion great song the ocean which is kind of like the i don't know what you'd want to call it the maybe the ebb of the tide of the album if i can make an allusion to the fact that it's called the ocean where things kind of slow down a little bit after a few rocking songs and yep. um yep. there's just a, a a lot of beauty in that song i think it's got a nice ballady feel to it uh without getting too soft you know you don't slow everything too down but uh it it's just a beautiful song that i love it brings you into the second half of the album really nicely that's you've a good got, point you've got we're so far away that leads you into it and then like you said you've got you know three or four kind of more rock songs after that. And then the, the ocean is what you kind of slowed down, brings yes. it into the next, the next phase of the album slash relationship, however you want to interpret the album. Yeah. And some of the best albums I think have great sequencing. And I think this album yes. is an, a fantastic example of how to sequence a record because there are those emotional ebbs and flows throughout the whole album. You're taken on a journey, not just with what the songs are about, but what the songs sound like they're, um, their tempos, their their loudness, their softness, all that stuff. Uh, and then Mistakes We Knew We Were Making, a song we also talked about, which may be about yep. an abortion, maybe about driving too fast. We don't know. Uh, but <laughs> it's 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 a great song. Both Two um, very similar things. Yeah, yes. Lyrically, musically, it's a, it's a great song. And because uh, you said uh, I should pick seven, I actually have two more. I have The Sun and the Moon and The Everglow also. <laughs> That's what you said, right? I should pick seven? sure <laughs> as i was looking at the plus, list i couldn't pick five, five plus or minus two yeah that's what it is right uh the sun well, of the moon as you mentioned is a fantastic closer and then uh the yeah. everglow which you also mentioned is it's just a great rock song again with some awesome again percussion i think that's just a recurring thing for me is there's great drum work on this album um yeah just fantastic yeah it's it's hard to narrow it down to five or even seven but uh <laughs> you followed the rules i didn't well yeah um you know it's funny because we you know before we we hit record here we were talking about um uh just kind of the structure of what what we wanted how we wanted to to go about this and we were we're talking about some of our least favorite songs of the album and it's really tough to come up with with more than a couple um and really more than one i guess i think we both we both thought painless I believe was our yes. least favorite track. And, uh, and other than that, I mean, I like every other song on the album. Yeah. Painless just doesn't do anything for me. It's just kind of there. I mean, it doesn't, yep. I, it's kind of irritating to listen to. And actually it kind of reminds me of the album that followed the Everglow singularity. I think it's called, which I thought was terrible and not worth listening to. Yeah. Um, I liked, I think two or three songs off that I think are really good. And I think they were funny enough. I think they were right. They were all in sequence. Oh, interesting. But yeah, none of the other um, songs on that record grabbed me. But well, maybe it's worth mentioning. It's kind of sad what happened with May because this album was done on Tooth & Nail Records, which was an independent Christian label. Actually, and, and May is kind of a vaguely Christian band. We haven't really talked about that, but I um, I don't think they hit the Christian themes too hard on this record, but um, they're definitely kind of there in the background. Uh, I think the record was really well received. They got signed to Capitol Records, and that was the last full-length album they made in 2007. And I think mm-hmm. 
the story that I had heard and actually just talking to Chris Bartels, uh, you should check out his music. He's fantastic. Uh, today he was mentioning that he had thought he heard that there was a lot of pressure from the, the label to kind of conform to whatever they thought that may should sound like. And anyway, I, I don't think that may ever reach the heights of the Everglow again, which is kind of sad. Yeah. And that probably happens to a lot of bands. I unfortunately. think, I think it does. Yeah, I would say so. And I, I do have one more pick I would say, which is, uh, anything, which also doesn't really do anything for me. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, but then you have do anything. You have the sun and the moon, which follows it. So it's just, I mean, what is going to, what can you possibly put before the sun and the moon, which like you said, is seven minutes long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, a, what a perfect closing to an amazing album. Well, maybe that's why we like, maybe that's like a subconscious reason why we like the ocean and, and the sun and the moon so much is that we don't necessarily like the sun before it. <laughs> So that's once fair. it leads into those it's like yeah okay this is a really good song again that is fair and I, I do think though that both painless and anything could just be cut off the album and the album would be 100 percent perfection pretty much i mean yeah. i don't think i'd have complaints i think the sequencing still works really well i think you can go from this is the countdown which is a great song i didn't mention it as one of my favorites but um i think that it could lead into the ocean pretty perfectly do you have any other thoughts that you want to share about the the album before we close out I Great did one pick, funny story. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Um, and I meant to talk about it when we first talked about We're So Far Away. So I was over at, um, speaking of college, so I was over at your, you rented a house with a handful of other friends. And I was over there one night. Um, and I think I ended up just crashing there because Ryan was out of town, whatever. Um, so I think I just ended up crashing his room. I remember waking up in the middle of the night. And downstairs, where you guys had the big stereo, I I heard the big hit on We're So Far Away. It's like, and there's no one down there. There's no lights on, no no whatever. But it was like the stereo turned on by itself and played that song. It's like, it was weird, creepy, awesome. I don't know. That's incredibly it was, creepy. <laughs> it was hilarious and creepy at the same time, yeah. Are you sure that you weren't just kind of drunk? imagining um, things i never drank in college i've never had a drink in my life eric oh right sorry yeah <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> no you know i don't i don't think i was but yeah i don't know it's just one of those things who knows it was 2005 stereo technology so maybe yeah. they just turned on at random times and especially hitting that song and that uh, or that album in that beginning part is pretty awesome i love it that's a good story yeah thanks man so the important question that I think we need to close every episode of I Love That Record. Would you recommend this record, The Everglow by May, John Beckman? You know, when I think about The Everglow, I say to myself, I love that record. So (laughs) I would recommend this record. Thanks, John. journey.